I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, hello. Welcome back, loves. It's so good to be sitting here and talking to all of you again. And in my world, I'm just coming off of a weekend where I didn't have my kids and I got to do some really fun things for myself and with E. And I just thought I'd share a little bit about that before we dig into today's amazing episode. Um, One of the things that we did this weekend that was so much fun was attending a Meow Wolf exhibit for the first time. I don't think he had been to one and I know I haven't been to one before. And You know, I've talked a bit before on the show about my journeys with psychedelics and plant medicine in ceremony, but I've never done them outside of a ceremonial setting before. But when we decided we were going to go to Meow Wolf, I thought, well, I have to, I have to experience this under the influence of mushrooms. So you know, I, I ceremonially prepared it. I did it the way that I always do. And we're sitting here at our house kind of getting ready to go after I had had my little serving that I set for myself. And I was putting the finishing touches on some makeup and I looked at him and I just said, okay, it hit. It's time to go. (laughs) So we went and just like explored for a couple of hours and it was so delightful. It's just such an experience to be enhanced by the psychedelic properties of the mushrooms and see through the lens of the creators of these amazing exhibits. And it just gave me the most fantastic experience, both within my own body and, you know, with, with the space interacting with the exhibit. So certainly not endorsing people go out and do the same things that I did in terms of enjoying the exhibit, but boy, I would not have done it any other way. And I really, really enjoyed it. Now, I think maybe we'd love to take some of our kids back to see it. So Maybe I'll get a chance to see it stone cold sober as well, but it was a really, really fun experience. And another fun experience that I had recently was this conversation that you guys are about to hear. I met the woman, Annie, on Instagram, actually pretty recently, but I stumbled across her page quite some time ago. And I've been following her journey through polyamory and all of her different expressions. And I've just felt so drawn to the way that she expresses herself, the way that she talks about her experiences, the way that she's so candid with what she and her husband and their partners experience. And I knew I needed to talk to her for the show. And it's funny because it's turning out that like at least the first couple episodes here of March are very polyamory oriented. And I'm not entirely sure where we're going to land with episodes three and four this month, but if we stay on this trend, maybe we could deem March polyamory month. But regardless, I just want to give you a quick little intro to Annie before we shift into the conversation she and I had, which was free-flowing, amazing, very synergistic, and awesome. So Annie goes by Annie Undone on Instagram. And Annie is a writer and artist who seeks to normalize diverse sexual and love experiences because people deserve to be themselves. She speaks on the topics of polyamory and kink and queerness, and she began this work in earnest as a way to feel more enfranchised around the theme of kink. And then she quickly realized herself that she was also polyamorous. She and her husband and their partners are sharing their journeys of open relating and learning to let in more love so that people feel less alone in their humanity and their desires to live outside the proverbial box. 
So I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I can already tell you that I cannot wait to have Annie back on the show. It feels like there's just so many conversations and topics that we could unpack together. And I think you'll find her every bit as delightful as I did. So enjoy. I realized that I needed to hit record because we were having such a great conversation (laughs) that like we should be doing this on air. And so here we are. Annie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome to Sexual Alchemy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we won't um, we won't jump in with the cream pies we were discussing or <laughs> things that things that we don't really want to bring on air with us at the very start of the show. But uh, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about your journey to where you are today? Obviously, on Instagram, where I've been enjoying your content, we we know that you're a polyamorous femme identifying person who has different dynamics going on in her life. But I assume this has not always been, you know, the natural course of, of things for you. So no. um, my, husband, you. my husband, Paul and I were monogamous for 16 years. Um, we've been together 18 years. Um, wow. And it really wasn't until I mean, if you want me to go all the way back, go to, as far back as you want, because okay. we want your journey. I'll go all the way back well, four years back when I basically (laughs) had a mental breakdown and decided to take a year off of everything, my ambition, my, I I mean, I was in such a mental state. And some of that was, you know, coming off three really intense years of postpartum depression and anxiety, and just being in a real broke down ass place. And Mm -hmm. I was you know, I basically called in every favor I had and said, can you come sit with my child? I'm having just a moment and I need to sit on the couch until I feel better. And so I took two weeks to sit on the couch to feel better. And at the end of that two weeks, when I popped my head up in the worst outfit I've ever worn, (laughs) I said to myself, what I need is a year to walk back to myself to find out who I am. And so I broke that year into four sections and I worked on something different in every section. The last one was courage over comfort. Mm. And it was in those, it was this like abnormally warm day in October where I woke up that morning and it was Paul and I in bed. It was just the two of us. Our daughter was having an overnight with a grandparent. It was this like idyllic day outside and he wakes up and we're having sex. And all of a sudden I, I start remembering how I've had this acupuncture session earlier in the week. And in the acupuncture session, my acupuncture says to me, what is it you want from today's session? And I said to him, I want you to just rip open my chest and I want to share my heart with the world. Mm. And he was like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But so I'm having sex. I'm remembering this. And all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, I want to hear him say he loves me. This is distinct because we have been together 15 years and not once had I ever asked for this. Mm. So this is going on in my head. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing the voice of my, my high school boyfriend, like a specter. People don't need people. People don't need people. You can love Mm -hmm. people without needing people. And I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah, totally. So I was thinking all of these thoughts and I'm thinking, just say it, just say it, just ask. You've been married 15 years. Like you can ask for this. This is fine. Right? So finally I say, tell me you love me. And he says, I love you. And I was like, ugh, just didn't slap, you know? Yeah. And then he grabs my head and he looks at me and he says, Annie, I love you so much. And it was like this invisible wall of glass that I never knew was there, shattered right there in that moment. And I felt things I had never felt before. I felt like all of a sudden I needed him. I trusted him. I was, I think that was probably the first time I ever entered what I can now identify as subspace Mm. where I just, my body was just a ripple, a ripple effect of pleasure for like 12 hours that day. I remember sitting on the beach later that day and just thinking that was the most ridiculously emotional and sexual experience I've ever had in my life. 
Mm-hmm. How did I get here? How did I wait 15 years to ask for this? Mm-hmm. And from there, what happened was even more interesting because it was around that time, it was probably right after that, that I thought, oh, you know, I really, really feeling quite dirty. I'd like to like do all of these like dirty things. I, I was, I remember asking him to like spank me and feeling like, oh my God, this is at once like so humiliating and so amazing. And like, and that gave way to like a lot of other kinks, like cock worship and a dynamic. And I had no idea what was happening. So I'm like Googling it. Like yeah, yeah. I'm on Reddit. Like what is going on? <laughs> what is happening to me? And that's when I figure out that I'm doing BDSM. Okay. And I'm like, this is insane. Who knew? So I'm like really getting into that. I end up writing this thing on Reddit called I, I called it Annie's Big Bratty Brat Guide because I was finding myself a very bratty submissive, just like trying okay. to get his attention constantly. Like I literally became like obsessed with my husband. I, I didn't know how to contain myself. Like I was seething <laughs> out of myself. Yeah. And after I wrote the brat guide. This person read it and he DM'd me and we're having a very casual conversation. And all of a sudden he says to me, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I think I want to call you mommy. And I was like, I don't know why, but I want you to call me mommy. (laughs) So I say to my husband, this guy on Reddit wants to call me mommy. And what does this mean? And what is happening? And he's like, he looks at it and he's like, Oh, yeah, I'd let you sleep with that guy. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> so I get into it. This is kind of – this is how we enter non-monogamy. Yeah. Like via this weird guy on the internet who's like, I don't know. I'm normally a dom. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm normally a sub. And he's like, I'm going to teach you to dom and you're going to teach me to sub. And I was like, okay. I'm in. Yeah. And that was kind of how we got into it. That's the that's the the story. Wow. So you, okay. I have so much to unpack here. (laughs) First of all, you were self-aware enough in the midst of this depression or postpartum period of life that you had been going through that you, like, you knew you needed to kind of quadrant out a year of your life into like different things to approach and unpack for yourself. I find that fascinating because often in periods of my life where I have been in darker moments or things like that, I can't get that clarity of what it is that I need. So that's the first thing that was fascinating me as you were talking about that. Um, Tell me, I mean, I don't need to hear about all four quadrants, but did you know that sexuality was a component of of one of these? I, I didn't know that ultimately, I didn't know that that would happen, but I knew that there was something I guess, missing. So like my husband and I have always had a really amazing sex life together. We've always been kind of adventurous, but I felt like, I felt like I was missing something of who I was and I didn't know what it was, but I had this conversation with a friend of mine from high school somewhere in the course of this year. And I remember saying to him, I, I don't know how to need people. And he was like, neither do I, if you find out how like, let me know. And he was the first person I reached out to after this had happened. I said, oh my God, I did it. I did it. Like, it's amazing. Figure out how to do it for yourself. Cause this is, this is insane. This is the panacea. And like, I think the reason I quadrant things out in that way is just that I needed something concrete to hold on to. I needed, and what I did actually, I based I based my journey on Joseph Campbell's hero's journey Okay, because I was like, first of all, this guy said women doesn't need hero's journey. I'm going to give you a hero's journey. (laughs) Second of all, it was the closest thing to a roadmap that I had at the time. And then um, I knew that there were certain things that I wanted to work on to get rid of my anxiety. So it was like courage over comfort. I did a whole section on um, fun and joy, which yeah. was literally the saddest time of my whole journey. <laughs> I did a section on spirituality and um, I did a section, I forget what the first one was, but I think the first one was really, oh, it was learning to unfold. Yeah. So e- each one kind of built on the next to the point where finally at the end I could do the things that were courageous to me, which I think 
when it comes down to it, what is more radical than love? Yeah. And asking for the love that we need and 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 finally standing in your worth to say, not only do I need this, but I also deserve it. And now I'm going to ask for it. Yeah. Well, and you referenced that you had a high school boyfriend who mantraed to you, like, you don't have to love, you don't need to need somebody to love them or something like yes. that. Yes. So and what's this, this bullshit? Yeah. So he would say this to me all the time. I would say like, I'd be like, I feel like I need you. And he'd be like, don't say that. I'm never going to say that to you. Like if I want you here, it's because I want you here and that's why you're here. And, you know, I'm never going to say that I need you because like, spoiler alert, he became a lawyer. Um, (laughs) Fuck fuck I'm a lawyer. Fuck lawyers. (laughs) Like he was so technical about his terms. Totally. Um, And I don't think that he was like doing this to be like subversive or some, or or mean or anything like that. I just think it was something he held back in himself. Mm. Now it's something I love to say. Um, And it's not, and it's not like, oh, I need you or I'm going to die. It's like, I, I need your love because it fills me up in some essential way. Like, yeah. and, and it's mutual and yeah. it's, and I think too, it's kind of, well, for me, as I always say, like everything's a kink, right? So like mm. what I discovered from that very first, very failed dynamic with the guy who wanted to call me mommy <laughs> was that I'm a gentle femdom. And that really helped me unlock a lot of romance and softness for myself. So I think that those places where we can say, I need this thing, I want this thing, that's beautiful. That's not something you need to keep from people. Right. I love that because we do often hear, you know, that like, well, if you are expressing that you need somebody, really, how can you fill that need for yourself? And sometimes that's a great question. And sometimes we need connection. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> you think know? it's, I, you know, I think we go a little literal and lopsided on some of these concepts sometimes where, you know, I, at the be- at the start of this mental breakdown I had, my mm-hmm. mom said to me, you know, I'm worried that you're too needy and I'm worried that, you know, you're not going to be okay as a result. And I turned to her and I said, you know, my ability to ask for help in this world is what will save me. I will fall apart, but I will yeah. be okay because I know how to ask for help. Yeah. That's amazing. So <laughs> this this session with your husband obviously started like quite a journey for you. And you started out, you said, more in kind of a submissive role. Mm-hmm. And now you have also learned that you have this gentle femdom. Tell me, tell me about that and and kind of that, was that such whole a, it, yeah. it's so funny. And I talk about this because and I, I've not, I guess I've not heard anyone else say this, but for me, like my submission and my dominance are two sides of a coin. They feed each other. Um, So learning that I was, had this gentle femdom side, which started with that first dynamic. um, But then shortly thereafter, I met Sam, who is a lovely young man from the EU, um, Mm -hmm. who is asexual. And we entered a dynamic based on mutual care and love. Um, and emotional closeness mm-hmm. and kink <laughs> because <laughs> even though he's asexual, um, he does have a really a really beautiful sexuality, um, but most of it is contained in kink. So um, we started that dynamic and that really helped me open up more um, emotionally and to kind of I guess it gave me a container to put my romance in to kind of help it help it come out, I guess, Mm -hmm. because, you know, for me and I know that there's in the old school in the old school thinking when it comes to BDSM, you know, they're they're very quick to say, you know, BDSM isn't therapy. Yeah, it's not therapy. duh, But it is healing. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it gave my romance wounds a place to heal. And that Mm -hmm. was really important for me because. It also helped me carry that into my submission as well. Um, And so learning that 
you know, you can do really naughty and dirty things super nicely and sweetly and vulnerably was really cool thing for me. And I, I enjoyed that. Um, and Sam and I have been together two years. Um, although it's obviously we, we don't live in the, on the same continent and it's been a pandemic. So that's right. Obviously a whole thing. Um, I'm currently learning, I'm, I'm cur- currently learning to, uh, assert this dominance with my new partner, CJ. We have been together about four months and some change. Um, And that's a very different experience. Um, But I find gentle femdom to be very romantic, high romance, um, high Mm -hmm. care. I, I think it's very – I love to talk about gentle femdom because I just feel like people don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so we do things like, for example, he washes my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, to me, very kinky. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting moment where you're accepting – where you're accepting the care of somebody – um, who's washing your face or washing your hair or carrying you to bed or doing things like that. Um, and also having dominance over them in a romantic way, you know, blindfolds and restraint and things like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's very romantic to me, but also so is my submission. My submission is very romantic too. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, and so for you, I I totally get that idea that they, that they're two sides of the same coin and that they feed one another. Um, and so I, I think you've already answered the question I was going to ask is, are you still expressively submissive in any of your dynamics? Um, well, so my husband and I, our dynamic is he's dominant 100% of the time and I'm submissive 100% of the time. I don't, I have a bit of a a switchy vibe with CJ, but I would say it leans much more gentle femdom. Um, My husband and I are currently retooling our dynamic. I had a dynamic with my former boyfriend, Tyler, um, where he was also very dominant. Um, And I had a failed scene with him in September that kind of, caused a little bit of a retreat in me um, from a kink perspective. So I've been kind of working to kind of like get it back, Um, which is where to me the gentle femdom really does help because it allows me to kind of engage in a way that feels really good and safe for me so that I'm ready to do those things again. Um, And, you know, I really – you know, my dynamic with my husband is like, is interesting. Cause like I'm very service oriented. Mm-hmm. So like I I've joked about this, but it's, it's not a joke. It's true. Like to anyone who doesn't know what's going on in my life, I look like a housewife who's like, allow me to like, you know, make dinner and like clean and fold laundry and do these things for you. And like, to me, those are very submissive acts. So like, totally. to me, like folding laundry, I'm trying to get laid. Like, <laughs> this is sexual for me. <laughs> like, like, those things are kind of tied into that for me in mm-hmm. a very like, like, oh, daddy, look at all the things I did for you. Like, yeah. so to me, that's, you know, that's all part of it too, um, which, you know, and, and I think that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the inside joke of BDSM for me. It's like, it looks as though I'm just like being a housewife and doing these right. things, but to me it's kinky or like if, you know, CJ does something for me that might seem very to anyone else, be like, oh, how sweet is that? And I'm like, yeah, because like that's where he yeah. got. Like, <laughs> you know, like but to right. me, it's like very sexy, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah. so yeah, I love all of that. That's so great, and I, I totally understand too this idea of you know having the opportunity to balance out and like kind of with the gentle femdom being in your being in your power and your control center, you know, and mm-hmm. being able to exercise that part of yourself allows you, if what I'm hearing is correct, allows you to be able to get back into your mode of being able to release and then be submissive. Well, it's also super exciting. Like when you take, like when you take someone to a headspace where they're feeling very submissive and you kind of, you see that happen and you feel it and you're party to it. Like for me, I see that and I'm like, "Mm." 
well, I can't wait to do that. <laughs> you know, totally. it makes me, it makes me like more, appre- more, even more appreciative of that headspace when I give it yeah. to someone else too. And yeah. so also it informs my practice of, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll do something and then I'll be like, Ooh, you know what? I want to try that now. Like, yeah. do this yeah. with me, Paul. Like, this is where, like, I, even today I was just making a list of like all the things I want him to, to do to me. <laughs> I love it. And at the top, I was like, I wrote like, do mean things to me really nicely. (laughs) You want him to gentle. Well, he's a daddy dom. He's a daddy dom. dom. So he's, he is gentle and, but also like he has a sadist side for sure. And that's like where, and that's where I think people get confused. Like, you know, I think a lot of people have this idea of, female dominance of like bootlicking and stepping on your balls. And totally. I, you know, if you're into that, that's great. Like you, totally. you do you boo. But like for me, I want, I want someone to, if I say, I want you to do this and they're like, make me, I'm like, no, like you're going to do it. Cause I asked you to do it. Thank you. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to have a softness behind that. I, I'll hurt you. Well, real nice. Like, re- I <laughs> yeah. want to do it and tell you what a great job you're doing. Like, wonderful job. I, I love to hurt you. You're so sweet. You know, yeah. like, that's that's what that brings up for me. Because to me, all BDSM is just so intimate and so romantic. I mean, you're yeah. you're in a space where you're letting some – you're trusting someone with your body and your mind and, and, and you're – like, you're getting high, you know? Yeah. It's – to me, it's an encompassing experience. I love the way you're describing it. And I agree as a woman who in my own container am in a female-led relationship. Um, I have never really, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to put on some latex and do some, do a little bit of CBT here and there and whatever. But like, that's not my, that's not my nature. That's not my go-to expression of dominance. And I, I love this concept. I've never even heard of, you know, the concept of gentle femdom, but I love it because I think that is much more in my nature. So giving me lots of ideas. But one thing I've never had the opportunity to experience is is subspace. And so I, I would love if you could talk a little bit about that, whether you want to talk about being on the receiving end of it and being in it or being on like the giving end and putting somebody else into it. But but I it's a concept I'm just not really it's not a lived experience for me. And so I would love to have a little conversation around that. Yeah. I mean, I love being in subspace. I kind of describe it as like that feeling of when you kind of can't feel your face anymore. Um, Or, you know, so Brene Brown talks about the concept of play. And one Uh of the concepts of play that she says, like, you know, it's something you love because you never want it to end. Like, that's what I feel like when I'm in subspace. I'm just like, I never want this to end. There's this, there's a moment that I think of when I think about subspace and it was, it it was Paul and I, and we were, um, we were on the living room floor and he was spanking me. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, I just, I never, I never want this to end. And then he started having sex with me. And I, the literal thought in my head was, Oh my God, he's a fucking God. Like I just, you're in this space of just that you can't see anything else, but this person in front of you. And it's really, it's better than any drug I've ever taken. Mm -hmm. It's, um, sometimes I laugh uncontrollably. Like I giggle, I can't stop laughing. Like I can't get myself together. Um, Sometimes I can't talk. Sometimes I can't. I, there has been times when I have been in subspace and I've tried to stand up and fallen down because I can't <laughs> walk. Like, and I remember one time in particular, my husband turning back and going, "Oh no, what's happened?" Like, and like, and I was like, "I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I wasn't ready." Um, so to me, it's it's just it's like flying. It's like flying. Mm-hmm. It's this very particular and and you can almost feel it coming on like when he's giving me a good spanking or when we're in a scene and it's like you can I I guess I the best way to describe it is almost like you you feel yourself kind of slipping 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 and then you're gone Mm. and it's such a delicious feeling it's and and in in that space you know I'll do nearly anything 
to stay there. You know, like we're in like a very trusting place. It's like, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And on the other side of that, when you're putting someone in that kind of headspace, which I've done more than a few times with Sam and a couple of times with CJ, it's really interesting to watch because it's a little bit different for everybody. Um, But I've, the one thing I always hear over and over is just tell me what to do. I'll do, I'll do anything. Just tell me what to do, which is like, you kind of know when someone's getting there, they kind of, they stop talking. Um, they kind of have a different sort of look in their eye. Um, they, they, they become a little more slow or if you say something, they might go, what? Because you can't. There's been times when I've done that too. I remember one of the most vivid times that happened to me is like I was I was really starting to go under in subspace, and I I was giving I was doing I love cock worship. That is just something I love. So I'm sucking my husband's cock, and he tells and I hear him say something, and I hear him say something again. But I'm just I'm so gone by this point, and then I hear him say. Can't you hear me? I've told you twice to stop. What's wrong with you? I won't you stop sucking my dick? <laughs> so it's like I was like I, I was like almost like embarrassed because I was like, oh no, I missed like the thing he said, but I just couldn't stop. Like and like that's the kind of headspace like people get into. Like they don't they don't almost know what to do unless you tell them what to do, um, and they can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. I love this conversation so much. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, you've said a few other things. And in, and when we were chatting beforehand, obviously we were talking about being parents and yes. how, um, you know, well, we didn't get into this, but what I'd really like to talk about, I, I've seen on your Instagram that you have introduced to your child that there is kind of a multiple partnership household going on, that you guys have a dynamic that's not just you and your husband. And I'd really love to hear, um, you know, from one parent to another, like, this is not something that our children know anything about. And I am just really curious how this has, you know, kind of developed a little bit in your own life and where, I don't, not even necessarily advice that you would have, but just like, you know, a little bit of like how you have decided to incorporate some of this truth into your life. So she's not necessarily aware that CJ is my partner, although I think she's seven. So seven-year-olds don't have a true awareness of what like sexuality is or what those things are. So that part of the conversation clearly isn't relevant yet. Um, Although she sees us sitting on the couch together, she knows that he's here all the time. Um, and obviously this is not my first polyamorous relationship or my husband has had other part. We've had other partners here for a couple of years. Um, the first place this conversation started really was last year when she said we were at dinner and she says very casually, you know, dad, if you divorce mom and Tyler divorces Josie, then mom and Tyler can get married. <laughs> And we both were like, oh my God, why, what, what do you mean? And she was like, well, I mean, mom and Tyler are in love. And so that was kind of where the conversation started. And we said, yeah, yeah, you know, there's all, there's all kinds of love. Um, But dad and I are not getting a divorce. Nobody's getting a divorce. Um, You know, Tyler and Josie are not interested in in getting a divorce either. Um, But just because you're not married to someone doesn't mean that, you don't love them. So, and that's called polyamory. And that was the very first conversation that we had about that. Um, I've also had some conversations with her about bisexuality, Mm -hmm. um, which her very first question, she asked me, you know, oh, what does this rainbow mean? And I said, oh, you know, this is a, this is my gay pride, you know? And she said, well, what's that? What does that mean? And I said, you know, I'm bisexual. It means that I like women and I love women and I like, and I love men. And her first question, because she's very smart, um, was, well, if you're bisexual, does that mean I'm bisexual? And I said, no, it, it does not. It's just my sexuality. And that's something that everyone has to think about for themselves. And she said, well, I know I like boys. And I said, that is a great place to start. <laughs> um, so she kind of has these, these things in her mind. Um, 
And she said a couple of times ago when CJ was here, she said, oh, you're our, you're our family CJ. Like, and we were like, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, he comes, he cooks. I don't know. Maybe sometimes he cleans. He comes with some frequency. Um, and we were like, yeah. And then CJ said, well, do you think other families have a family CJ? And she said, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So those are the types of conversations um, that we tend to have. Um, She likes him very much. They have a very good relationship with one another. Um, You know, sometimes he comes with me to pick her up from school um, and she is a chatter. Like she won't tell me anything about school, but I bring this guy in the car and suddenly I've got, I know who all her best friends are. I know what happened like last week. And it's, so it's very interesting. Um, and good. Of course, we wouldn't want it any other way. Um, and she looks forward to his visits. The funniest part is last week she says to me, Mom, I think you have a boyfriend. And I said, you do? Who do you think my boyfriend is? And she said, duh, it's daddy. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> so there's there's an interest and there's an awareness. Um, and we're pretty open, you know, it, it's, you know, we're not, we're not closed off. We don't tend to be, and we've talked about it, you know, uh, Paul, CJ, and I talked about this in the beginning. How do we feel about affection in front of our child? How do we feel about those things? Um, and it was actually CJ who was like, I don't think that I really feel comfortable kissing you in front of your child. And I was like, okay. And he's like handholding, being next to each other on the couch, you know, even being under a blanket together, that's fine. But this is like where my, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect you were going to be the one. Yeah. Um, but I think that's okay. I think it's good to have, you know, those boundaries as we all kind of get comfortable and, and it's, you know, yeah. it's a pretty new relationship. Um, so I think that that's okay too. Um, my advice for parents is just meet your kid where they are. And the number one thing, this is kind of our guidepost, our, our bottom line on polyamory in our child is that we won't gaslight her or make her question her intuition. So if she says, mom, I think you and CJ are romantic together. I would say, yes, your intuition is very good. You are correct. I, she hasn't asked and I think that she's very perceptive. And when she's ready to kind of have that conversation, I will help guide it. I don't mm-hmm. ever want her to feel like her intuition on things isn't correct because that I think would be a betrayal of a hundred percent. So I think that's the fa- my favorite thing that you've said is that you, yeah, you, your boundary with this is you're not going to gaslight her or have her question her intuition. That's yeah. super beautiful. So as you were talking, it kind of, is leading me into another area of thought around boundaries and the conversations that you and your husband and your other partners have together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, that negotiation of how you, how you do that. And, and there are so many different types of polyamory, so many yes. different ways that people approach it. How do you describe, you know, your particular version of it? And I don't care if you use, you know, the right definitions or what, but like, (laughs) how do you, how do you kind of classify the dynamics that you guys have? And then I guess if you're open to it, I just think it is so beneficial for people to hear about healthy boundary setting in these multi-relationship systems. And I would, I would just love to hear a little bit about how you guys navigate some of that. Yeah. So I, Paul and I are kitchen table. Uh, CJ's also kitchen table. We're we're kitchen table. Um, we enjoy- that means just for my yeah, listeners so who may not know, we all hang out together. Um, we don't. I don't consider any of my relationships to be separate from one another. I think that parallel polyamory, where the two relationships never touch, can work well for some people. I'm not one of them. Um, I I like all of us having a good rapport with one another, being able to share space. Um, Paul and I love group sex. We are, it is part of our sexual dynamic together. It's something we've always enjoyed with our partners. Um, CJ is not quite there and that's perfectly fine too. Um, And so that would be, that would kind of get into the boundary territory a little bit um, on how you draw those sexual boundaries. Uh, You know, for an example, um, one of the more recent conversations that we had to have was we, so we're fluid bonded, all of us, um, mm-hmm. them 
by, I guess, through me. Um, <laughs> they're, not, they're not sexually involved <laughs> with each other, but yes, exactly. So the, the, this past weekend when we were all together, um, I said, you know, we're going to be sharing space for a few days. I'd like to be able to have sex with both of you if everybody's comfortable with that. And we had to kind of have a conversation around like, is it okay for Paul to come inside of me and then for me to go in and have sex with CJ? Does he mind <laughs> like that? Or the the reverse of that, if CJ comes inside of me, can I go in and have sex with my husband? How does that feel for him? So we have to have those types of conversations. And it, it, it actually was a very interesting conversation. I think CJ and I had our very first kind of disagreement around it because mm-hmm. I said, I, I said, I said, Paul said he wants to turn me into a cum dumpster. And CJ was like, I don't, I don't like that. That doesn't, that's, that's, <laughs> like kind of offensive to me. <laughs> like, and I was like, what? And then I was like, wait a second, do you have a problem with me having sex with you and then having sex with my husband? Like, is that like a boundary? And he's like, no, the boundary is that word. Come dumpster. <laughs> like he was like so shocked by that language. And right. so like, it's really interesting. They're very different. You know, my husband is a megasexual. Like yeah. he will decide how he feels about you after he has sex with you. <laughs> CJ is much more demi and yeah. he has a very different emotional profile. So sometimes these boundaries become a little unclear. And of course we were able to work it out. He's like, "No, you know, we're a polycule. Like I don't have I don't have any problem with you having sex with me, having sex with him. Like none of that." He was like, "What? Man, sometimes the language between you guys." Like <laughs> Well, and that's the difference between your like daddy dom relationship with Paul and your gentle femdom relationship. Yes. With CJ, so sometimes you know? these things do get a little bit um a little bit, I guess, precarious in the moment, like when you're learning yeah. to talk about these things or like learning how everyone feels about each other. And I think creating creating an intentional kitchen table dynamic in a situation where, because Paul is currently dating, but he does not have a, a girlfriend or a partner or anyone like this um, right now. He's had some fails and that's extremely discouraging. And so that happens a lot too. Um So the three of us creating a dynamic where for all intents and purposes right now, I'm a hinge, um, which is just, I'm, it's me and CJ and me and Paul. And while we all hang out together, there's no, there's no, I guess, sexual, we're not having group sex together. Um, so there's no sexual rapport between the two of them yet. Um, Creating that intentional dynamic is not easy, especially in a situation with two men and one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially I was going to say kind of probably could depend if sexuality was fluid for the men, but if they are both feeling, you know, or if they're both experiencing their sexuality as purely hetero, then yeah, I can understand. Yeah. And I think too, um, some of it just comes back to like familiarity with people. Cause you know, I've been in dynamics where there's two heterosexual men and two bisexual women. And that seems to work a lot better. Um, but when there's one woman and two men, it, it's a little bit harder. And I think yeah. we subscribe to the notion of you move as quick as your slowest member. So creating totally. and even finding the boundaries, like sometimes you don't know a boundary has been breached until it's happened. So yeah. I think that you know we have to be really mindful of those things and give each other space and time. And to be honest, it's hard sometimes to give each other space and time because we may want things to move a little faster than another person wants, or we may feel ready for something that someone else doesn't feel ready for. Um, and it's hard, I think, at least for me to keep in mind that I have time. I don't have to rush. I don't have to rush it. Like, no, I want to do it all. I want to do it all yesterday. Like, yeah. but, you know, in, in honoring like care and love to other people, you have to be able to pull it back a little sometimes, which is very unsatisfactory. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like, it's fine if we go the pace of the slowest person, as long as I'm the slowest person. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like you want, you know, like when you want something, you want it. Like it's not, you know, and, and this is a key difference between monogamous relationships and polyamorous relationships. In a monogamous relationship, when you want to be with someone, you be with them. In a polyamorous relationship, when you want to be with someone, you have to check in with this person and this person and what's that person's <laughs> schedule and is someone, do you have a babysitter right. or like how am I feeling or how are you feeling to check in with you? Right. Like it, there's like a million things to 
get through before you're right to the place maybe you want to be. So let's talk about that a little bit in terms of scheduling and the balancing act of it all. I mean, I think that is, people think about polyamory and they're like, oh, that just means you get to have sex with a lot of people and aren't you lucky? And yeah, it's a lot about, <laughs> yes, and, yes, yes, and, and. <laughs> it is, a, it, it can be very complicated and you also have to have a lot of boundaries around okay, what do you need for yourself too? What do, what do you need for alone time? How do you balance that with these multiple relationships that you have a lot of love and care for? Have you guys, has that been a process for you that has taken some getting used to and really some learning or ha- has it happened for you in a, in a more seamless way? I, it has not been seamless. It has been very hard. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions for people who open their monogamous marriages into non-monogamy is like that first year really, really tricks you because you get all these great conversations. You have all these great new sexual feelings. You have all this good new sexual energy. Everything is new. It's very novel. Um, And then that second year just comes to crush your ever loving soul. (laughs) And you realize when, when those endorphins, for lack of a better word, run out, that you're still stuck with yourself and all the work you have to do and the novelty has worn off. Um, And we're basically in our third year now and it's still hard. Um, You know, at this point, I would say we're in the, in the, point of our journey where we are addressing our family of origin wounds and our attachment issues and releasing codependency because all the things that that you just asked about, time, attention, coordination, all of those things um, are very hard. And yeah. everyone has different needs and everyone has to really be in a good place to be able to enjoy the benefits of polyamory. And polyamory yeah. is not easy. I mean, it's not it's not easy to watch your spouse. Like for Paul, it's very hard for him to watch me fall in love. For me, it's very hard for me to understand why he wants to have more casual sex. So everyone has their their triggers in this area, and we have to learn to deal with them and sit with them and and be comfortable with ourselves. Um, yes. And some people like me. I'll see, I'll see some learning coming my way, some growth coming my way. And I'm like, oh yeah, growth. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be worth it. And then my husband sees it and he's like, oh fuck, no, please. I don't want to do that. This doesn't feel good for me at all. I don't even know if I can do it. So you have to account for so many different kinds of personalities and the way that people do, do this kind of work and keep six schedules in your head at the same time. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, I need a fucking nap. (laughs) Preferably with all my partners because we're a kitchen table. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. And I think too, you know, along the way, some of what you just touched on too, a little bit of, you know, didn't go deep into it. But of course, the things that come up are insecurities and jealousies and all of the things that of course are part of anybody's dynamic as they start to navigate all these things. And yeah. And I, journey. I do want to say, like, I think that there's a lot of emphasis on jealousy as a concept, but we just started reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and oh, she, oh God, it's so good. Um, okay. But she talks about the difference between jealousy and envy and resentment and, and what families these fall in. So mm-hmm. one thing we've been doing is expanding the vocabulary on that. And another yeah. thing that people do also don't realize is there's a huge difference between primal panic, adrenaline responses, and jealousy. So there's like a whole family of bad emotions <laughs> that, bad. yeah, like bad in quotations that, that you can experience yeah. around these concepts and, and they come at you at different times and for different, very different reasons. Um, and I think it's important to recognize where you're kind of at in that. So if you're feeling envy because there's an unspoken need behind, um, you're feeling that's not the same as jealousy, which is worrying that something is going to be taken away from you. Mm. Um, so these are, I, I think it's really important to explore these emotions a little more fully and to understand the them differently so that we don't just blanket statement, throw it, yeah, you know what? I'm jealous. I don't, I don't like this. Like yeah. that's not exactly helpful. 
Yeah. Get deeper. Yeah. Understand what really is the emotion underneath of it all and what's the fear. And and have really good tools for subverting that so you don't dive into it so hard that it's all you can see yeah. forever and ever. One might think that you're doing some work in this space, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. I could talk to you forever. I feel very confident that this is conversation one of others that I hope I that we have down the road. Back, for sure. <laughs> but so tell us a little bit about, you know, where to find you and what is, you know, is there work that you're doing around this with individuals, with others that that you can be a resource for yeah, folks? Yeah. So I'm I'm on Instagram. Obviously I have my Instagram main page um, where I just kind of put out, it's, it's really just, I say my page is just like me talking to me. It's like the stuff yeah. I need to hear for myself. I love your morning affirmations. I'm like, yes, what did she have to say today? Yeah, doing, yes. So I do like the morning affirmations and you know, like for a while I was just doing it like, and I do all my own artwork, all the backgrounds I use are my own artwork. Um, cause That's I'm gorgeous. Yeah. I really enjoy doing ink drawings. Um, and I started doing those and they really resonated with people. So I do them every day because I feel like consistency is important. So I do that. I also have a close friends list, which you can subscribe to my Patreon for $5 a month, which is where I, I mostly talk about my relationships. The places I talk about the nuts and bolts of my relationships are on podcasts as well as on my close friends list. Um, and part of that is just a, a, a personal boundary. I, I don't want to tell those things to people who really don't want to hear them. If you want to yeah. hear about my attachment issues, see pictures of my dog, hear about our struggles as a non-monogamous married couple, if you want to hear about my relationship with CJ, if you want to hear all my sexy stories, those are all on my close friends list. And then I share additional content, including my Spotify playlists. And because, you know, I'm a dummy dom and I love to make some playlists. Um, so I share my Spotify playlist and I share some of my essays on my Patreon as well. And I just opened up peer support um, mm. for my close friends list and my Patreon. So uh, that's something I'm adding. Like I'd like to add, I really, I really enjoy doing the peer support. Um, and I have some specialties in that area, including triads, quads, group sex, um, and like navigating opening from a monogamous relationship are all kind of my specialties. And I consult with two licensed clinical social workers, as well as having worked in um, mental health for five years. So those are some wow. of my credentials. Um, yeah. I just, I think what an asset you would be, you would have been for me a few years ago, <laughs> you know, and people go through these trials and errors on their own. And it's so wonderful to know that there's support out there, that they don't have to do this alone. And yeah. so I, mean, I just applaud you and the work you're doing. That there. is the guiding mission of what I do is just to let people know that whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you deserve to be yourself. I just want people to understand that there is a very wide umbrella of sexual, emotional, and relationship experiences available to them, and they don't have to conform, that it is your birthright to be who you are. Amen. There is not a better note to end this on. Annie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoy this so much. 